Time for another episode of The Cultural Hall. It's episode number 469. It is an Articles of News. I am joined by... Uh, he's handsome. Well, Want to guess? Uh, <laughs> Do you want to guess who he's joined by? T- take a stab, won't you? Uh, Merry Christmas season, Kyle. Uh, yeah, happy holidays are coming right up. I love it. Happy holiday. Merry Christmas. Merry New Year. On it. Uh, do, do you think we have any Jewish listeners? I'm sure we do. I why hope would you so. Di- why would you discount it? It's, uh, what, the fourth or fifth day of Hanukkah by the time that people hear this. Happy yeah. Hanukkah to all of you folks. I'm I, a quarter Jewish, so I can say it. I didn't know that. Yeah. Mo- Mom or dad's side? Mom. Mom. Okay. Biological grandfather. Never huh. met him. Don't know who he is. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. I learned that, you know, the latkes and the, uh, I can't remember the other thing. There, it's like a, it's like a potato pancake, essentially. Oh, yeah, yeah, love it, those. There is symbolism in why they're so oily. Did you know that? I did. I don't remember, but yeah, I, I remember hearing about that. Yeah, there's a whole big thing that this is not what people come to us for, and I don't know oh. that I know it well <laughs> enough to be able to explain it. But I didn't know that the reason why they eat oily food is symbolic and religious. I didn't know that. Oh. So, I think it's to do with the with the oil in the lanterns that the uh, gals left out on the front porch in the Bible. I, I, I need to as I'm as I'm continuing to develop a relationship with your child. I need to ask him what it was like doing <laughs> scripture study uh, w- with his dad growing up. You know the gals, and the you know some of them. You know they they'd been they'd been with the man, and some of them hadn't, and they they needed lamps and. And oil stuck it outside or something. I don't remember. (laughs) Well, good for you. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. Again, that's not what people come to you and I doing an Articles of News episode for. How are you, sir? I'm great. In fact, uh, my son just left. Uh Uh-huh. I was just here a moment ago. But in fact, we just had a conversation about religious discussion. He he took a road trip with three of his buddies. One of his buddies' dad has uh, one of these sprinter vans oh cool you know like a camping thing Mm -hmm. and they just head to california they said we got a few days between classes and finals we're gonna head to california go surfing Mm. and i'm 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 like you know that's cool go for it that's an opportunity did you say can dad come too because that seems to me i actually did (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah so one one of the cool things there he said was a one afternoon they saw like this tent set up on the beach down in huntington beach Mm -hmm. that night they they said let's go over that. I wonder if there's like a party going on or something. Or let's they just like to observe things. Sure. And I love that they do that. And they went over and it was like a, a religious thing. A, a uh, it, it wasn't a Catholic or Mormon or, or something. He didn't even know it was. But it was a a Christian religious event. People mm-hmm. there talking, some discussion and singing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And they went and watched. And afterwards, they're like, Hey, what are you guys doing? Come on over. And they just had. He said we talked for two hours just about like. Uh, religion and life and God and and just a a civil conversation, just discussing stuff. Yeah, you realize how lucky you are to have the kid that you have, right? Oh yeah, like like totally. Uh, like normally, I will give you a hard time, and don't worry. Some point this episode, I'll call you terrible and all the things, right? Yeah. But your kid is such an impressive kid and like mature for how old he is and like respectful and just like nice kid. I I hope you genuinely realize that because there are kids. That are big jerks, and your kid is not one of them. I do, and I and I'm gonna cry, but yeah, he's he really is, and that's why I let him like go. Hey, I'm I'm 18, and I want to drive to California with my buddies, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, 
go for it. Experience that because I, I can trust them and I hopefully they don't get in a car crash. Um, but but yeah, it's stuff like that I can trust them with and yeah. I can talk to them about stuff and yeah. and not worry about he's going to make a fool. of him. I'm way worse of a human than he is. Oh, yeah. No, 100 percent. You know, three times his age. Yeah. Yeah. You're three times worse at least. Yeah. 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 You, uh, you got you all ready for the holidays? You ready for Christmas? I am just about done. Christmas shopping done uh, for the for 10 kiddos uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and then my own uh-huh. uh, too. So got, got all that wrapped up and now I'm I'm broke. Are you Luckily, sp- I, I work at a place where most of what I buy, I can get through my company and free or highly discounted. So. Nice. Nice. Uh, now, do you find yourself in the same stress with your significant other not knowing what to get? I'm really good at the uh, the practical spouse gift. Like, hey, she really needs a whatever the thing is that she really needs. And, you know, sitcoms would tell me it's a vacuum or, a, you know, something like that. Right. right? Like I get I yeah. get that thing and I'm really astute. Right. And I get the nice thing and I'm like, yes, that is taken care of. How are you on the sentimentality uh, gifts? Are you any good? Terrible. At that? Yeah, me too. No, me but too. because because we're men and we're <laughs> stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I accept that and that's fine. But yeah, I, I, and here's the thing with with my plus one is that uh, honestly, I I don't know anything cool that she doesn't have. But she has the great fortune of being connected to me, mm-hmm. who has well, in the car business. She yeah. drives a you, spectacular car. She mm-hmm. has the most expensive bike you can get: road, mountain, triathlon. Yeah, you yeah you say great fortune, but I guess those well, are things. <laughs> it, it's not complete great fortune. But go ahead, no. go on, go on. No, but 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 when it comes to cool stuff, she has all the best of the best. Right. Of, Right. Of clothing and shoes and whatever she has it. So then coming up with something sweet, you know, mm-hmm. to bring a tear to her eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Pressure yeah. cooker. <laughs> is that what you feel like or is that what you're thinking of giving her? Insta- no, actually for Christmas, I bought because my parents gave me Christmas money. And so I buy stuff for myself. One of the things I got myself Instapot mm-hmm. and I'm stoked about it. Yeah. But you only eat rice, beets and peas. Are you just going to put them all in the same Instapot? Yes, with a little bit of soy sauce, and then put that, turn it on, and next thing I know, I'm going to open it up, and it'll be done. Meal prep done. You've got it, brother Kyle. You you have basically, when you describe your life, I think that's a guy who's winning. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm in the same boat. I can't figure out what to get. I I got the practical thing nailed tight, tight. The sweet thing. I'm struggling right now, not because I, you know, obviously not because neither of us don't love our significant others, but man, I'm just trying to think of like something that could symbolize that uh, more yeah. than just like, a, you know, a card or, a, you know, a sweet letter or something like that. Something that is like, hey, I hear you and you are loved. And here is this object that you can always look at or that you'll use all right. the time and whatever. And I just it's not coming. Not yet. It will. It will come. I haven't given up, but. If you come up with something, let me let me know. Yeah. Maybe it's I'll buy two of them. Use. That'll be super sentimental. <laughs> Same for you. If you if you come up with something, buy an extra. That'll be perfect. Okay. That yeah, yeah. That'll be. Uh, I really appreciate that. You know, you talk about your kid going off to uh, learn to uh, surf in California. So both my neighbors, and by that I mean the homes that are next door to mine, are VRBO or like long term vacation rental kind of things. So people come into town quite frequently. 
and yeah. they're they're folks that are here for conventions or they're here for back when we used to have conventions or like right now they're coming into town to snow ski and it's interesting because several times during the pandemic it have been groups of people in their 20s like 10 to 12 people cuz these are five six bedrooms homes next to me on either side that they come to town they're from all over the country. They all the folks went to college together, like they were chums from college, and then they went out and you know started working in their different places. But because they have the remote ability of working from wherever, they come here. They'll ski during the day, or they'll in the summertime they would like just hang out in the backyard playing beer pong or whatever the thing is, and then they would work all night. You just see their you know their computers kind of humming around, or they'd come in and come out, oh. or have a barbecue or whatever. And it's just people who have said. Hey, you know what? I'm going to work somewhere else. Utah is a lot more open than somewhere else might be. I'm going to go to Utah and I'm going to do my work there. It's been fascinating to see that faction of people coming here. And I have people that I work with that are going home for the holidays, and but they're taking an extended trip home for like three weeks because they will work from there. A friend of mine going to uh, Florida Mm-hmm. where he's from mm-hmm. and they can stay you know and work from home there with family and they'll stay in the home but mm-hmm. i i find it interesting that that people travel in i can see groups control groups of uh either in family immediate family or it, like my son has friends they check before we may or may not have a way to check corona anytime we want uh-huh. but or or people that you know they do something to ensure that okay the four of us are going to travel or get together what can we ensure we're going to be enclosed to to be safe on this. Mm-hmm, and I, was, mm-hmm. I know some of, we got a few people right now that are probably angry going, it's, you know, don't worry about it. Right. But uh, I, I just heard from a friend of mine, actually, who this will relate in because he is LDS, but he had uh, COVID about a month ago. Uh-huh. He, he got over it and he's an extremely healthy person, but now his lung capacity, healthy in that we race bikes together, mm-hmm. he's at 60% and it ain't getting any better. Really? And he, he's worried about it. Hey. Really worried. Uh, and the capacity isn't increasing? Uh, no, it's been staying at about 60%. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Which is scary. Yeah. Because he feels fine. Yeah. But like if when he goes to do aerobic activity like riding a bike, he immediately feels like, oh, yeah, my lungs are not good. Yeah. As someone who's about three months out and still experiences some of that, it's scary. And you don't know. I'm a relatively healthy guy. could stand to lose a couple pounds. But for the most part, pretty healthy. But sure enough, yeah. When I'll go to run on my treadmill or even I'm just out walking my dog, Robert, I'm breathing a little harder than I used to. And, and hopefully it'll be something that will go away. Um, they, they've coined the, the phrase or the term long haulers. So that's those right. of us that experience the, some of the symptoms later. But we'll see. We'll see. I got an email I want to share with you and then we'll take a break. Our emails here in the Cultural Hall are brought to you by at Utah Taste Off on Instagram. Check it out. They've got so many delicious things for the holiday season. Uh, ways that you can taste there was this you know the homemade oreos there were some homemade oreos with the uh the peppermint like the candy canes oh yeah oh my gosh you can get them if you live in utah you can pay to get go pick them up and and then you're able to vote on it or you can just eat the delicious things or if you're outside of utah you can just follow at utah taste off and see delicious foods all the time the email is from michael bishop who says I was listening to articles of news and had to chuckle during your weekly plug for Living Scriptures, which, by the way, if you go to uh, the uh, show notes for this episode, you can find a link so you can get a free month of Living Scriptures. When you interviewed Phoenix, that's the Wilds' daughter, 
uh, about the show she watched. You were trying to highlight the weekly Come Follow Me videos though, that they do. Those videos are excellent, and we use them with our kids as part of our Come Follow Me study. He goes on to say, I also wanted to share a fun thing that happened personally from the hashtag Give Thanks invitation. I started sharing posts on day one, and one of my friends from the community band that I'm in made a post that said, I have a lot of friends, a lot of Mormon friends. How it happened? I don't care. I know this. When I needed help, my Mormon friend and his friends were there for me. And for that, I am thankful. Hashtag give thanks. He tagged me and some other friends in the post. He posts everything publicly. So friends of mine saw the post and started liking his post. And a couple commented. I'm pretty sure he was confused how so many random people saw his post, but I'm thankful for the change that it brought to my newsfeed. He also goes on to say, I'm thankful for the cultural hall. Thanks again for the excellent show that you do. It's a great part of my commutes to enjoy you talking to some really great people and brother Kyle. <laughs> Michael. So you can always email us contact at the culturalhall.com. We're going to take a break and do some actual articles of news. We travel to Texas, a beautiful park. If you are a Patreon subscriber, you are seeing Russ and his bald head in a park in Texas. That's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about living scriptures. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. It's, uh, like you said, it's, it's a sunny, warm day here in uh, central Texas. Yeah, so many people in the country are uh, quarantined within their home, whether by their own choice or because their municipality has told them so. They're watching a lot of living scriptures. What are you guys watching? Um, it's, it's all Christmas all the time now at the, the old wild house. Uh, they've got a bunch of Christmas stuff. All, of course, the classic living scriptures, cartoon Christmas videos, the uh, the Christ is risen or not. He is risen. That's Easter. Yeah. <laughs> a king is born. <laughs> that idea. Of, you know, you see everybody that is of our age that has kids has probably seen the living scriptures Christmas nativity video. It's there. It's classic. And my kids have enjoyed it twice. In the now, last week. And other stuff, too. I know that when we spoke to your daughter the last time you guys were on our Articles of News, she was talking about Dog Christmas, the 12 Dogs of Christmas. Other uh, interesting finds that you guys have managed to come up with? Um, there's a couple in the, you know, on the Living Scriptures app. They show you what's coming soon. Hmm. And before Christmas, there's a couple of Christmas-themed um, movies that are coming out that we're uh, looking forward to. One is called We Three Kings. It kind of looks to be like a period drama about, uh, you know, a little pioneer era not mormon pioneer but that time frame little house on the prairie time frame oh cool of a, a group that's uh you know trying to do a little christmas play and the dad and the family apparently writes the song we three kings and that's how he kind of brings this song in with you know objections from his church and you know helps his kids do this little christmas play and everybody loves the song and they're like oh i thought that was a classic carol and he's like well, no it's timeless kind of thing hmm. that's what the trailer shows i'm kind of excited to watch it okay uh, anything else that you're really looking forward to kind of coming up? Um, it's out now, and we haven't done it. One of the things that's great about Living Scriptures is because of the pandemic and quarantine, a lot of the uh, films that you'd normally go and see theatrically get released as a premium on Living Scripture. So uh, a lot like how Disney with Disney Plus did Moana, and you not Moana, Mulan. Mulan, mm -hmm. Mulan is like you can, you can pay a little extra to watch this uh, premiere uh, film. They've done a couple of those throughout the pandemic. Uh, they've got one that's like that now. It's uh, Their trailer kind of describes it as kind of like the idea came from seeing a stage production as a movie, mm -hmm. like they did with Hamilton. Mm -hmm. uh, this is 
the uh, Forgotten Carols. Sure. So the forgot the Forgotten Carols has been filmed as a movie, the stage production filmed as a movie, and uh, we're we're set to watch it this week to uh, indoctrinate our kids into those Forgotten Carols. You know, we had Michael McLean on the show, and I asked him. I said, "Hey, you know, is this going to make this movie available because of streaming services like Living Scriptures more available? Uh, because it wouldn't likely come to a theater in Texas." It wouldn't likely no, come to all. a theater in, you know, New York, in Florida or whatever. And so uh, this app allows you the opportunity to be able to to do it. And the thing that I found naturally the other day, Living Scriptures, the app is attached to my TV. I didn't have to download anything. It, it just for whatever reason, uh, with being a subscriber, my whether it's through the magic of the Internet or whatever, it was just naturally attached to my TV so I can speak into my remote and if it's a living scriptures program or available on living scriptures beep boop beep boop boop pops on up well some of us don't live in the future yet Mr. <laughs> McFly but uh, you know we have it on our Roku app I think the Apple TV has an app too and, or we can just stream from our our phones or tablets it's great yeah, you can take it with your kids in the car. Uh, you can make a family night out of it as well. If you go to the show notes for this episode of Articles of News, you can see where you can get a free month of living scriptures. Just click on that. It's important that you use that particular link because it lets the folks at Living Scriptures know that that's where you heard about it. Russ, I think that your kids just fell off of the uh, monkey bars. I think yeah, I saw the, that uh, in the background. The, the slide back there, the... Yeah. Uh, they fell in. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm go. going to let you get to it. It's time for the second block of the cultural hall. I encourage you um, very, very strongly uh, on a couple of things. One, uh, to become a Patreon saint of the cultural hall. That $3 level that we have offered now for the last couple of years will be going away at the end of the year. So if you want to get in now, if people have gotten in and you're listening to this going, oh, he's going to jack up the prize on me. No, that's not true. You'll still be able to be just a $3 Patreon saint. Um, but we are going to close that window for people. Had a few people who have joined in being Patreon saints by simply going to patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. Want to give that shout out to a few people. Carl Eric Benyon, Kathleen Shumway, Todd Haddon, Verlin Yude, and Kathy Waswara. Waswara? Kathy Waswara? I didn't say it right. She's going to be mad. Well, she was she was a Patreon saint, but then I pronounced her name <laughs> wrong, and then she's out of here. Seriously, thank you so much to all of those new uh, Patreon saints and to those who have been around for a while. We really appreciate it and are thankful for the donation that you guys make on the monthly basis. Again, it's patreon.com forward slash the cultural hall. You can find a link to it in the show notes for this episode. Coming up in the third block, we are going to chat with Richard Osler, Papa Osler. He has a brand new book. It's called Listen, Learn, Love. And uh, we are going to do that interview in three separate segments. Uh, we are going to do the listen portion, and that'll be coming up in the third block here of the Cultural Hall. Now, Brother Kyle, let's do some articles of news. Hit it, Peter. Yeah. You can't lose articles of news. All right. So where are we going? Where do you want to where do you want to start in all this? Um, we have not done a news for a little while. And so I know people have been kind of hankering, but I've also, as I listened to some other, uh, shows, I actually, I should say podcasts, they have done some news episodes, but there hasn't been very much to report. So I don't know that you've missed anything, but if you are not subscribed to the cultural hall, wherever you get podcasts, 
uh, you should be because we're doing uh, three episodes a week for the entire month of December. So check out great previous episodes. Richard Elliott from the uh, Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square. Uh, last Friday's episode was Patrick Mason. We also had David Archuleta, Haley Jones-Smith still to come this month. We've got Terrell and Fiona Givens. We've got another episode with Hank Smith. So many great things. You're not going to want to miss any of it. So make sure you subscribe. All that to say, I think I want to start with this news story. Did you watch or do you watch college football, Brother Kyle? Uh, not really, but uh, sometimes I pass by it when I'm flipping channels, so I know what it is. Now, are you familiar with the phrase Catholics versus convicts? No, wasn't that a movie with yeah. uh, Adam Sandler <laughs> where they played football? Yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> what is that called? The, the longest yard? I can't, I can't think <laughs> what that's called. Uh, okay, Catholics and convicts. No, it's a thing that we like to do. We like to do it the blanks versus the blanks. In uh, yeah. in football, and and that was, I presume, with uh, Notre Dame, because you know a, a Catholic private school, and uh, the convicts. I don't know other team, some sort of convicty other. I was team. gonna say, who are the convicts? Who and got tagged I, with yeah, being the convicts I, in this? I, I'm not sure, but last, I guess now Saturday before uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints private university, Brigham Young, they played the Coastal Carolina football team, and they got. It handed to them, which was unfortunate. And I don't think it handed. It was yeah. only a few points. Well, I mean, handed to them in that we really thought BYU was better than all that. But there yeah. was some entrepreneurial student there at uh, Coastal Carolina who came up with the very clever Mormons <laughs> versus Mullets moniker and sold yeah. T-shirts. Sold yeah. 243 T-shirts at the printing of this uh, particular news story. I, Whoa, I, I which probably know. netted him about 500 smackaroos. Yeah, it's interesting to me. Um, they did the Mormons versus Mullets in the Coastal Carolina colors, uh, but they also did them in the um, in the Brigham Young University football colors. And I, I hope that not a single student of the Brigham Young University bought a Mormons TV uh, T-shirt, not TV shirt, T-shirt. Right, because yep. it wasn't spelled or it wasn't, it wasn't, Put correctly. Yeah, but the but to to the uh, young entrepreneur's credit, the um the the phrasing the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints versus the Mullets just didn't have the same ring to it. No, nope, nope, negatory. Nope, nope, nope. What news stories do you have, Brother Kyle? So there's a couple of birthdays this past week. Uh, one was uh, Darius Gray. He's a co-founder of the Genesis Group, a leading voice uh, among Black Latter Day Saints. Mm-hmm. He turned 75 on Saturday. Uh, he joined the church in 1964. He was ordained in 1978 when the ban was lifted mm -hmm. right then. Mm -hmm. So it was his birthday. Also, uh, this last uh, weekend was the 80th birthday of Jeffrey R. Holland. Mm -hmm. Now, did you see Elder Holland speak at the um, the First Presidency Christmas devotional? Have you watched that? I haven't watched it yet. No. Have, have you listened to it? No, I'm uh, planning on it I, one of these evenings, but yeah, haven't seen it yet. I know you're just wishing happy birthday to those two folks, and, and I, you know, happy birthday, you guys. But take take the moment, uh, as soon as you can, really, you and anyone else, to watch the annual Christmas devotional. It's so great. The music is so great. There's some symbolism, I think, from some folks. It's, it's uh, in the... The broadcast where they share music from various times when the Tabernacle Choir has performed, and as a, at a close, 
Um, why can't I remember? Now I'm going to be embarrassed that I can't remember the name of the song. It's Silent Night, I think. Silent Night, where um, we sing the uh, the third verse with the choir, and it was the last time that the choir was kind of all together as part of a broadcast, kind of symbolic as we look a year later and look back on it. So that's just a, a symbolic thing. Um, but also, the President Nelson's message was spot on, and uh, Elder Holland, no surprise, and this is where this all came from, the message that he shared during that broadcast was was just amazing. Hopeful, if you feel mm. da- if you feel down at all, if you feel you know, sad this holiday season, any of those things, it is worth, it is worth taking a listen. And I know that you can stream it on uh, BYU TV. Uh, you can get it through the BYU TV app. You can find it online, I'm sure, on the on the church's YouTube page. That's where they streamed it originally as well. Uh, but worth, I think it's about 57 minutes, I want to say, worth taking the 57 minutes, even if you break it out into blocks and chunks and just listen to the talks and the music. So great. Now I mentioned BYU TV, brother Kyle, and I know you've got a, I know you've got something you want to share about that. Yeah. And I did not know about this, what the background of this, I'd started seeing a lot of commercials lately for, uh, a television show, uh, a a Christmas special with Lauren Daigle, Mm -hmm. who I I had no idea who she was. Brother Kyle. I know, I know, I should know, but I don't watch uh, American Idol the, the <laughs> anymore. You can, yeah, okay. Well, and and I'll usually watch it, you know, like the first week because they have all the silly ones that the people are terrible and mm. they shame them. Sure, when we used to watch William Hung and go, yeah, okay, yeah, that right. guy, yep, yep. Yep, but then I, I saw this story and the, and the, the headline I didn't think was really very nice. It said, from American Idol rejection. Mm-hmm. Then it says to Grammy success, Lauren Daigle's next at BYU TV. So Lauren Daigle is doing a, a Christmas special on BYU TV. It looks great. Um, I, I don't know that you said I've heard one of her songs. I'm gonna have to go have to go look for it on YouTube and listen to her. Well, I'm gonna uh, but, I'm gonna actually play a little bit because people She sounds like Adele. In fact, you probably thought this yeah. was an Adele song. I have heard that song, and I did think it was Adele. No joke. Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need. So you think that that's Adele. I thought that it was Adele as well. It's Lauren Daigle, and she's doing this Christmas Under the Stars with BYU TV. You know, I have great musical taste, and and usually I mock people. That's She has a great voice. The special really itself nice. uh, aired right after uh, the first presidency message, if you watch the BYU TV, and they sort of interview her and get to know her. I got to meet her in person through the day job. Uh, you will not find a nicer person. Wow, she look and sounds great. I the only thing, the only thing I would say is that she uses her hands a lot. Yeah, yeah, sings. yeah, yeah. She, I, I can't remember what they call that, but when you use your hands to sort of uh, pronounce what you're doing, what you're singing, there's a term uh, for it. 
Uh, it's a it's a New York accent, but with your hands. A Jersey <laughs> hey, accent with hey, your hands. Hey, you know the hand underneath the chin. Hey, it's <laughs> yeah, your uh, your. Well, bi- I'll have to watch. I'll have to watch her special as well. Then yeah, I didn't take take two hours out. out of your life, brother Kyle. What do you think? You're too busy. You're too good. Maybe. <laughs> good. Good for I you. Will. I'll I give will. you. I'll give you something else to stream. You can watch this. They did a virtual tour of Temple Square. Uh, obviously, the uh, Temple Square is sort of open. Businesses in downtown Salt Lake would say, please come visit, won't you, please? Uh, it's not the same. You can't go on the grounds of Temple Square because of all the changes um, that are going on with the renovation of the space. Similarly, I don't know that they would or how they would have controlled it. It is the thousands upon tens of thousands of people on a normal year. Um, but you can hop online and you can actually see what the lights look like this year. And I think it's it's pretty profound. There are lots of um, folks that who never are able to make the pilgrimage to Salt Lake during the holiday season or ever, whether because they can't afford it or the time or whatever, but because of... Um, the changes with the pandemic that we're taking everything online, it is opening up the opportunity for people across the world to see something that they hadn't seen before. Oh, yeah. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. But I, I still miss in person, you know, freezing my toes, freezing my fingers, mm-hmm. crowded in there with all the people, the crying babies. Mm-hmm. And I'm being a little bit sarcastic, but I'm serious. Like, I kind of miss that. Did you and the family ever go when they first turned the lights on? Uh, I did one time. Yeah. yeah. And when they turned them on. Yeah. And you just hear everyone almost like when a collective group watches the fireworks, everyone. <gasps> it, it's been going on on Temple Square. I didn't know this since December 9th, 1965. That wow, was the, I didn't know that. that was the first time it ever did. And they used to do a lot more lights on the trees until the arborists were like, guys, you're killing the trees. We're going to need to scale this back a little bit. And they said, oh, right. okay, well, we'll change it up a little bit. There's a, a great article that I've linked in the show notes about um, the lighting of the Christmas trees or of the trees at, at Temple Square. You can check that out with the show notes and with all the stories that we're sharing uh, at theculturalhall.com. Uh, speaking of lights and speaking of temples, this is interesting. Washington, D.C. Temple closed down because it's being renovated, but there is a special drive through edition of the annual festival of the lights. So if you find yourself on the, I thought you're going to say for the temple to go view the temple, you know, <laughs> after they've done it, you drive through. Yep. It, so it's it was safe. a, it was a strange last minute adjustment. They had to make the hallways large enough. I mean, they replaced the carpet anyway. Uh, right. They should consider it. No, it's plastic. Uh, you drive over the plastic. Yeah. It's an opportunity for you to be able to do it. Um, to go and to see the beautiful temple. It's a landmark, even for people who don't know uh, anything about the temple or that it is even a temple of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. People know the temple, and it becomes a, a drawing spot, especially during the holidays. So you can still drive through and be able to see that, encourage people to do that. Um, where a place I don't encourage you to travel um, this holiday season is I don't encourage you to go to a fire in North Salem. This is in Oregon where there was a temple. Or Wasn't I'm sorry, planning on I, it. No, but I'm sorry, not a temple. It was a it was a church and it it started on fire. The fire huh. is under investigation. There were no injuries that were reported, but you know Salem, Oregon has had its fair share of fires. So I would here in the cultural hall like to call out and say, how about no more fires? In Oregon. Can we all agree? Is that something yeah. you can get on board with? 
deal. Okay. All right. Um, other interesting news stories. This is a couple weeks old, but I know we didn't share it. Uh, anti-maskers, they protested outside BYU president's house, President Kevin Worthen. Uh, now, in, for those that don't know, here in the state of Utah, um, we have decided to make anti-mask protests a little more personal. Spencer Cox, a previous guest of the Cultural Hall, he found uh, people uh, protesting outside of his home when there was a mask mandate. Uh, the current governor uh, of the of the state of Utah, he had people protesting at his home. The state epidemiologist and health person had someone at her home and now it has uh, transcended to the president of BYU. People were out there. There was about 50 folks that were there. People feel like they're not being listened to. Uh, one person in particular said that she felt like she had been uh, treated with radio silence. Uh, she had concerns about uh, wearing a mask and about having to do that at, at campus all the time. Her name is Bella Isom. She drove all the way from St. George to attend the event. She decided that she was going to take online classes, but she's still concerned about the decisions that are being made. And so she wanted to to uh, to uh, show up there in the, I think it was a cul-de-sac, if, if memory serves me, that there's about 50 people there. They've got their homemade signs and they're doing it. And to to the credit of one person, and I really appreciated that, there was one guy that was there who was clearly not protesting the uh, the uh, mask mandate, but just taking pictures, really clear pictures of everyone who was protesting. <laughs> Which, you know, I I oh go ahead. No, please go ahead. I was going to say I, I mentioned earlier my son who went on that trip with his friends in California. Mm -hmm. They when they were walking back from this religious revival they were at, so mm -hmm. there was four of them. They had their masks on walking down a a street and there was a uh, a Trump rally and, and I'm not coming down on Trump people Trump's great but this rally surrounded them and he has it on video he showed me today and we're chanting you know don't be a blank blank take off your masks to he and his four buddies because this large group there's probably 200 people 150 to 200 surrounded them and he said we were kind of scared for a second there dad and I'm like I don't blame you you had yeah. nutballs around you and, you know, and it would, doesn't matter what it was for, but they were, you know, even if it was for to put on a mask, it, it was scary. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, <lo> I love the way you phrase things sometimes because I always I always feel like I have to come around and go, listen, <laughs> let let's explain. Let's break down what Brother Kyle said. So here's the deal. N <laughs> no one should ever circle around and intimidate anyone ever. Can we just agree to that? Like as And that's why I said at, whether at, they yeah. whether it was to say wear a mask or to not wear a mask. Yeah. You don't circle on somebody and you yeah. chant at them profanities. Yeah, especially like an 18-year-old kid, right? I just like we have gotten to the point where I feel like we can just <laughs> treat people a little more kindly. Just a little bit more loving and a little less in your face about stuff. Little, a little less. Can we do that? Can we Let's make that it. call? Can Let's we make do that it. Call? What uh, would Jesus do? Yeah. I don't think that he would get 200 of his closest friends and circle around you on either side. I don't think that's the case. Oh, he'd, he'd cure the pandemic with uh, 200 fishes and five loaves of bread. Oh, my gosh. I would love to have that pandemic cleared. <laughs> uh, all right. Temple News. You ready for this? Now, uh, coming up in just a couple minutes, I uh, am going to chat with our friend Kurt Frankum, and he's going to give us 
all the breakdown because there's a letter from the church, and I don't read letters from the church. He does and then explains them to us. He's going to give us what it means that there are some temples that are going to be moving in to phase three. So we'll get to that. But this was cool. The church has broken ground for the Okinawa, Japan temple. It has also oh, yeah. broken ground for the Bengaluru, India temple. Um, that temple, interesting fact, uh, is in a country of 1.35 billion people. One temple. So we got our work to do, our work cut out there. Um, but but just amazing to know that the work on that temple is going forward. It was announced 32 months ago, um, and now the ground has been broken and going forward on it. And then also uh, the McAllen, Texas temple has been uh, ground broke. Grand broken. The broken, there is, they took shovels to dirt that they moved in and moved it with green carpet, and now they're going to start building the temple there as well. Now, you have uh, another apostle news. Should we go there? Uh, gosh, which one did I not go over yet with the With the apostle? COVID. Oh, with the COVID. Oh, with, with, uh, well, we, and we just mentioned him, Dale Renlund, uh, former cardiologist, so he's kind of has some smart stuff going on in there. Uh, he's the second Latter-day Saint apostle to be diagnosed with coronavirus. Uh, he and his wife uh, were tested positive. So both he and his wife, they announced uh, this last week. Um, they were with a couple other people um, that were also tested that were with them and, and came up negative. I was just looking for who that was here uh, in the presidency. But anyway, uh, he turned he had turned 68 last month. He has mild symptoms. Um, so, so far has, has been all right. And so looking not. Not too bad there. And his so, wife asymptomatic, completely asymptomatic. So, yeah. So hopefully a quick recover is that. But he also, uh, he was the one who spoke and said, hey, maybe we should all wear a mask as, uh, as uh, a sign of love for our fellow man that some people went, whoa, hang on. Hold up, pal. What are we talking about here? You know what I'm saying? Let's try and look up if... if- uh, Apostle Renland is a Democrat or something. <laughs> surely, if he wants you wearing a mask, probably a Democrat. You know, it's so it's so divisive um, the way that it has just become like if you feel like a mask is the way to go, that that means you're you're left leaning or a Democrat, and right. if you don't feel and I like said that wearing completely a mask, facetiously, yeah, 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 hopefully yeah. you could tell that, yeah, but. But there are people, and I had an interaction with someone even just today who feels so passionately um, that that the country is being led astray. Like, she is genuinely um, fearful that America has made a, a choice and that we are being carefully led to hell. And... and you know, the, there's a part of me that wants to, you know, kind of make jokes around it or, you know, whatever, kind of slough it off as far as that goes. But then there was a part of me that, that you know, for a minute or two that I was like, how would I feel if I genuinely felt that? Like if if without question, I felt like the if you'll forgive the the um, the kind of phraseology of it, but like that the devil had taken the steering wheel and was guiding the country like how would i feel that now i don't feel that and i'm you know i'm not to speak one way or another and how would i possibly even know but she she felt very seriously and and very um very uh i don't know intentional i can't think of the word that i want to use but but felt very much like 
we as America had made a mistake and need God to step in. And, and, and I didn't know what to say to her, except that, yeah, you know what? I know that, you know, nothing happens, you know, not for a reason that God is at the helm, that he knows about that. But, but for some people, we, you and I, we can joke around. And I think there's a certain uh, level with you and I that, um, that we are just sort of disenchanted by some form of government altogether um, that the, the bickering and some of that stuff kind of, you know, can just be sort of a frustrating thing. But for those people who, who feel that way, and there are many, like, I, I don't know what to offer them except to say, Hey, you know what? We both have a belief in, in God and, you know, nothing happens with God that isn't for a reason. So man, I hope that, that we, you know, we see his reasoning behind all this and, I don't know. It's a, it, it was a different place for me to be in because I typically will kind of uh, resort to jokes or the, the teasing or the prodding or I can't believe that yeah. you would do that. And and she just genuinely was like, man, I I just I am lost. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do about it. All that to say, uh, Elder Renlund did give that speech if you have not or that talk. If you have not read it, you can find a link to it. Um I know that Jana Reese over with Religion News Service, she wrote about, uh, or maybe it was Peggy Fletcher Stack at the Salt Lake Tribune. Let me attribute that to one of the two of them um, that said something to the effect of, like, if we aren't wearing masks, are we not following the prophet? And I think some of that is um, following or trying to get headlines, you know, headline clicks and some of that. Uh, but I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. If someone were to say to you, Brother Kyle, hey, I prayed about it and I am i don't feel like I'm supposed to wear a mask or God told me not to wear a mask, like what do you do at that point? Uh, well, I I tend to follow, tend to really kind of watch uh, our church leadership. Yeah. Who has, and they have, they have, they have said to be cautious, wear masks. They have not been vehement, like if you don't wear a mask, you'll, you'll die, you're foolish, you'll, yeah. you'll go to hell. Right. But they, they said, we should be cautious with this and this is what what we should do. And if, for me personally, that that's a similar approach to me. I, if, if you want to know my peer view, my really honest views on it, I don't know how much good, what we are doing is it, it's not very good at slowing the spread very slightly. Right. And maybe we're over cautious on, on what we can actually do. Mm -hmm. But you know what? It's just like, I've said it before. When I go into somebody else's house, if they take their shoes off in the house, cause that's what they do. I take my shoes off, even though I don't like them to see my socks might have a hole in the toe. Mm -hmm. But we're, it's kind of the same thing with wearing masks. I know it's going to be temporary. Mm -hmm. It's gone longer than we think, but we see the light at the end of the tunnel now. So, you know, I'm just going to deal with it. It's it's not that – for me personally, it's not a hard thing to do. I know for some people that, that have a condition or, or something that they can't, I can sympathize with that. And I have real empathy for you, and I don't know what to, to say to that. Yeah. But kind of what you had mentioned earlier, it sounds like you had a very civil conversation with somebody yeah. that really believed – the country was was led, you know, or being led or about to be led, either one of them by by pure evil. Mm -hmm. And and I just appreciate when people can can discuss it and just and not gather in a circle around and bully somebody or yeah. shove it down somebody's throat. Yeah. Just discuss it with somebody and and just be empathetic that it's just like religion. Somebody believes as strongly as you do in their belief. And so you can't you can't force uh, a thought and you can't make somebody like red carpet if they don't. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so just be kind. Yes. Right. And especially at Christmas, you idiots. Right. It's, it's Christmas. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> Morons. Yeah. 
and we, we 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 got a little too serious there. I didn't know how to break out of it, so I appreciate I uh, that we did that. Let me just <laughs> let me just round out a couple of things. Uh, Sharon Eubank, the president of the Latter Day Saint Charities, first counselor in the Relief Society, she did something pretty cool recently. You can find a link to the whole uh, kind of feature on this. She was a virtual crop hunger walker. You can find more information at crop hungerwalk.org. It's essentially just a way to provide um, for those that are hungry in poverty, in displacement and disaster relief around the world. And it's just bringing awareness. It looks to me like she was walking in one of the fine canyons uh, adjacent to Salt Lake City, but just holding this sign and saying, hey, you know what? We need to care for our brothers and sisters. Another one, uh, Latter-day Saint Charities is providing grants and support to U.S. refugee agencies. I know a lot of people will be super critical of the church and the billions of dollars which we have. But in 2020, um, they've provided grants to um, several different resettlement agencies in the United States, nine to be specific, uh, to uh, to help assist re- refugees who have been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm lo- I'm looking and hoping to get someone with the the refugee agency with the church onto the cultural hall to tell us about what they're doing because we kind of just briefly mention it, but we I don't think we understand the full scope of where that money is going and and I think we should because what the church is able to do is, is pretty huge. Um other articles to share with you real quick. What do you have? Do you have any more? That's all I've got. Uh, I will share these two. Uh, we talked about the uh, father and son. That is the Ogden man who said uh, to his dad, Hey, dad, I'm not going to serve a mission. And his dad said, What? And all uh, Homer Simpson uh, put his hands around his <laughs> neck and said, Why, you little? Well, that, that court case or that case now is headed to trial. Um, we will keep an eye on it. There's not much new about it, but if you're unaware, it is... Uh, this guy, he's, uh, 49 years old. His son said, Hey, you know what? I'm not going to serve a mission. He's like, Oh yes, you will. And in my house, then get out of my house. Uh, according to the arrest affidavit, the son reported that he was knocked to the ground and began to be struck. Uh, and then the, the dad struck the victim's head into the wall repeatedly, as well as squeezed the victim's neck with both hands. He had scratches, redness on his neck. Uh, the dad says, listen, I, I grabbed him wherever I could in an effort to push him out of the house. He was so upset. So um, there is that. Uh, and then a much better, uh, a great way to end this portion before we speak with Kurt Frankham about the change in temples that some are opening up to phase three. There is a great link to a YouTube video at theculturalhall.com about the Johnson family in Kirtland, Ohio. Now you're thinking, Johnson, what, like John Johnson? Like the John Johnson farm of old? No. Uh, Brother Johnson uh, is the stake president for the Kirtland stake. And there is some music that he has kind of been the inspiration, the sort of workaround with. He's also featured in the video um, with the Nashville Tribute Band. Um, they've teamed up with uh, the folks over at Don't Miss This, which is a previous episode of the Cultural Hall, uh, Emily Freeman and David Butler. And the, it, it's great. The song is beautiful. And the best part is I knew the Johnsons when I served on my mission. They were in my ward and he was they were just barely married. And he was, uh, if I remember correctly, had not been a member of the church for very long. So 20 years ago, just a, a newish convert to the church and is now the stake president there in Kirtland, Ohio. The video is gorgeous. 
Uh, you get to see some great looks at Kirtland. The music is gorgeous, that from the Nashville Tribute Band, and uh, I encourage you to go check a little bit of that out at theculturalhall.com. Brother Kyle, thanks for being with me. Thanks for being there. Thanks, everybody. Now we chat with Kurt Frankham from Leading Saints. You can find him online, leadingsaints.org is the website, or you can find uh, Leading Saints Podcast wherever you find podcasts. In fact, wherever you find the Cultural Hall Show, you can also find the Leading Saints Podcast. You guys publish on Saturday, and then like once in a blue moon that's on a Friday, that's a Wednesday, you do something else, right? Whenever I feel like it, Richie, Yeah. all right? <laughs> I. That's the kind of leadership I can get behind. That's when, right. Whenever That's right. I feel like it. Uh, You'll Kurt, listen when I want you to listen. Kurt comes into the cultural hall whenever we get an email from the church because I see it and go, ah, Kurt will read it and explain it to me. So I got an email the other day that said, Temples of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, that is four of them, uh, are going to be moving into phase three. And I thought, I have no idea what that means. Kurt will tell me. Welcome, Kurt Frankham. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm happy to do this and uh, participate, and this is great. We're in phase three. This is a four-phase plan that they have, and, and our goal is, well, phase four yep. for all temples. Yep. Right? Uh, that that's means everything's back to normal. If people so. have been living under a rock uh, when the temples closed back in, what, probably end of March, 1st of April, 2020? Sounds right. They said, listen, we will phase them back in as we seem safe, as we deem safe, and here's the fa- four phases and at first it was no phase, literally nobody. And yeah, then it was phase zero. Yeah. And yeah. then we were like, well, okay. And that was phase one. And then it's like, well, okay, that's phase two. And now we're like, all right, that's phase three. So nearly all the faiths, 168 operating temples have reopened in phase one. So that for those of you that may not be familiar with phase one, let's go through these phases. So that's husband and wife ceilings or marriage by appointment. Mm-hmm. So I but think that, we've but that's all known only, somebody's done that. But that's only... Phase one is only like if uh, you and your wife uh, are going to get married and you guys have both already been endowed. If one of you needs to uh, take out their endowments, nope. That's right. Right. So, uh, but most temples have moved onto phase two, which is open both for ceilings and all other living ordinances. So I think uh, if I remember right, most, most in Utah are in phase two. I may, Mm -hmm. I may be wrong. Right. what, What do I know? Right. But today, or this was a few days ago, December 7th, uh, First Presidency announced that Phase 3 will happen on four specific temples starting December 21st. So this, uh, for those those listeners in Tonga, Samoa, yep. mm-hmm. uh, Brisbane. We're very big in uh, Brisbane. Oh, yeah. And let's not even talk about the the numbers of Taiwan that you get. Richie. Yeah. The downloads like we, are Yeah, off the, the downloads from, from our Mandarin Chinese-speaking friends in Taiwan. We are off the charts. We really do that's have right. a, a contingency in Brisbane. I know you think that's ridiculous, but we do. I believe it. A, I do. a previous guest whose name escapes me right this second uh, brought his whole family. So that's six more than was there before. That's right. And uh, they get the opportunity of phase three uh, starting December 21st. So again, that's Tonga, uh, Samoa, Australia, and Taiwan. And uh, so what is phase three? Well, one th- cool thing about this announcement, Richie, that we haven't seen with others is that uh, they, they've put out three videos with apostles talking, Elder Renland, Elder Bednar, and Elder Anderson, and they're fairly well done and make you feel good. And so, and they sort of walk through the protocols and what to expect and uh, how this is going to work. So obviously with living ordinances, you know, we just can't let anybody walk through and masked maskless or whatever so they have some some protocols here elder anderson said or not elder anderson elder p 
Pete, what's his name? Elder, Elder Suarez. <laughs> it's coming. Uh, Stevenson. Stevenson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Elder Stevenson said, you know, in a, in a room full of like 47 chairs, they may only have 12 people in that room mm-hmm. spaced out. And they do require and ask that you wear a mask. I've heard that. Uh, I saw this on Twitter, which is a dangerous place to, to spend time. But uh, someone said, so can you go in there with your leopard print uh, face mask? And uh, from what I'm hearing, I don't think they have a certain standard, though they do offer masks at the uh, at check-in there. I know that's probably the wrong term, check-in, you know, at the, the front yeah, table. At, there. at the recommend desk. The res- recommend desk, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously they can't just have people show up and have to turn people away. So there's an online appointment scheduling system. Mm-hmm. Make it easy. If they If areas don't have that, then you can call in, do that. Symptom screening, so you're going to get the old temperature check, uh, nose swab probably. No, I'm just kidding. Probably just the temperature check. And uh, face masks, unless you are participating in baptisms, you must wear a face mask throughout your temple visit. Hmm. Obviously, the typical cleaning and sanitizing, I think we've just become familiar with that living in this society. There's always somebody spraying down something. So that'll be going on in the temple. Uh, They encourage you to bring your own temple clothes. Uh, baptistry groups cannot be larger. I know that probably sounds weird to bring your own clothes. Like if there was like a non-member listening, like, well, of course I'm going to bring my own clothes. Don't I bring my own clothes anywhere? But uh, obviously your your temple clothes, ceremony clothes, right. Uh, to bring your own, uh, obviously. Uh, and then the baptistry, no groups larger than 16 people and patrons are encouraged to bring their own officiators to the baptistry. So I think it's good if you went as a household together, since mm-hmm. you're already used to being around each other. Sure. Not only used um, to it, but also uh, you have potted together. So it's your temple pod, right. essentially. Yeah, it's, a, it's your quarantine, as they say, Richie. Ah, ah, it's your okay. team to quarantine. Uh, I, I prefer the term pod. You're a team guy. It's fine. Okay. Together All we right. come together. All right. Yep. Potato, potato. Right? Yeah. Um, Endowment uh, seating, I've mentioned this, the seating will be capped at 30% of room capacity. So the you bountiful people with the ginormous endowment rooms, uh, you'll have a few more people than say Orlando, who I think they only have 12 seats in their, in their endowment room. But again, worth pointing uh, out that neither of those two temples are at phase three yet. Yeah, of yeah, course not. Yeah. And it, it, you know, it could be 2024 before we have that conversation. Richie, it feels but. like it, doesn't it? Ugh. <laughs> Ah, everybody mm. sigh together. Ah. Ah. And uh, so ceilings, a small number of patrons will be allowed in ceilings. Witnesses will be physically distanced from the ceiling officiator. I think we should call maybe some younger sealers. I mean, just maybe for a time because mm-hmm. bless their hearts, those sealers are generally older and that could be interesting. And then obviously those familiar with temple processes, there's the the name card issue, right? So temples will not uh, will no longer print car- name cards for temple patrons. They must be done by members before they come to the temple, following the completion of an ordinance, the temple will uh, record this information in family search. So what, that'll what's be interesting to me is that we haven't moved into a completely electronic version right? of the name cards. It seems like we should. It seems that especially like in this time, like a QR code or some sort of technology would be the way that we could do about it. I don't, I don't know exactly how we can do that because yeah, they I'm don't want us like, to have uh, our phones in the temple, obviously. When you go to like Disneyland, you get the bracelet. Yeah. It's like the key to your room and everything. Just give everybody a bracelet. And I mean, come on. Yeah. If I'm, we were king for a day, Richie. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. If I uh, was, the worst if I, news. If I was a king for a day, that would be what I would I would try and pass through. <laughs> if I was a king right. for a day. Or, or profit for a day. Yeah. Okay. You have my you have uh, my vote. Uh, no? Uh, no. No. We're, we're going to stay away from that one. I don't, okay, don't want to even right. step near. Although R. Thomas Stedman, 
a perfectly fine apostolic name. Oh, yes. I look forward to it. Uh, and uh, the sadly, the cafeterias will not be open. It'll yeah. remain closed, believe yeah. it or not, in yeah. phase three. Yeah. So. Well, it should. Aren't most of them buffets? Right. Yeah. You pick yeah. up your pie, right? Your, yeah. your lemon meringue. You yeah. Know, gone, like gone are the days of buffets, just in general, pretty much. And Ooh, anyone who's... Yeah, 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 yeah. I was right about Moroni on the top of the temple, so let me just Ooh. say this as well: the buffet will be gone. Hmm. That's it. That's now, 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 which... places like your Chuckarama and your, you know, that are buffet models, like the that's their model of doing business. You will still be able to go and get too much food on your plate, and you know, you just make yourself sick yourself. and gorge yourself. Don't worry, don't worry. That will stick around, but it will be a person serving you. Wow. Yep. You've, you heard, heard it here, folks. I heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I don't know. I don't think I'd lose. I, I mean, I think I go to a buffet maybe once every five years, so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. my life won't be shocked. But there you have it. The temples were phasing into phase three in four temples that are mainly, I guess not mainly, two of them are on islands. And uh, I guess Australia's a big island. But yeah. uh, <laughs> there it is. Australia, the big island. It's Kurt Frankum right. from Leading Saints. Check it out, leadingsaints.org, or subscribe wherever you get the cultural hall. Find Leading Saints. LDSbookstore.com. You can still get things sent to your house on time for Christmas. Now, the closer you get to Christmas, the more of like the, uh, the toss and the dice that you're going to get. But listen, uh, get on to LDSbookstore.com and get your, uh, your gifts. Get them delivered. Get them sent to you. Maybe they're not even your gifts. Maybe they're for uh, someone else in your family. I know that probably makes more sense than you would think, but I know that some people do that thing where around the holidays, they'll buy themselves a gift. I know you. I see you. If you're one of those, you do it for uh, yourself. You're doing it for someone else. Hop online to ldsbookstore.com. And, and hurry, hur hurry, Christmas is coming, I've been told. Go to ldsbookstore.com. Hey, this is Dan the Laptop Man from PC Laptops in Salt Lake City. A computer can be the best holiday gift imaginable. It can bring such joy and fluffiness. Buying any other brand of computer than a PC Laptops computer can be painful. Can you imagine calling Chumbawamba and being placed on hold for forever? Finally, when someone in Chumbawamba answers, only to be told your on-site extended warranty is the delivery guy picking up your computer and then having to wait eight weeks for them to tell you that your software problem isn't covered by the warranty? You end up paying a huge bill, and on top of it, you get your computer back and all your data is erased. That's brain damage. Avoid the pain and feel the love this holiday season. To make it impossible to resist, we're doing 12-month special financing on any PC laptop's desktop or laptop computer. Have I lost my mind? Call us at 1-877-596-7283 for details or check us out at PCLaptops.com. That's PCLaptops.com, where we love you. Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. We're going to be visiting with Papa Osler. Now, if you don't know who Papa Osler is, we're not going to get too much into who he actually is because we've done an entire episode with him. 
That's episode number 230 of The Cultural Hall. I encourage you to go and listen to that so you can see where he comes from and why he does what he does. Now, Papa Osler, you have written the book, Listen, Learn, Love. It's the same title as your podcast, and I and if and if I may, I think it's just the title of what guides your life. I'm looking forward to be able to talk to you about each of those things, and so I would love to be able to start by talking about listen. When you say listen, what do you mean? How are we not doing it? How are we doing it well? I hope that in the next 15 to 20 minutes, we can really understand this principle of listening. Um, thanks, Richie. It's always good to be on your show. Thanks for the great work you're doing. I encourage more and more people to connect with you and your ministry and the good things you're doing. Um, listen is a key part of my journey to understand LGBTQ people. I was a YSA bishop and had a, and it was the first time I listened to gay people tell me about what it was like being gay. Um, I recognized that everything I'd picked up about LGBTQ people was some straight people. And they had defined that group for me. And I needed to develop better, what I call them soft skills, to listen to people, especially people that aren't in my normal circle. And I call that, I had developed what I call, Richie, the trap of unearned opinions. I had developed a lot of opinions about groups of people without ever listening to people in that group. And I found that it's just better not to develop opinions about trans people, undocumented workers, black teenagers, women, and how they feel sometimes until you talk to people in that group. I think culturally, we um, value in men attributes of leadership that are maybe more easily seen like great talks, great writing. But I think sometimes I've never been to a training meeting, Richie, where I was taught as a priesthood leader of father how to listen. I've never had a training on that. And I, I, it's not something that I think is valued. I, when I wrote the book, I scoured church talks and ensign articles for people that talked about the importance of listening. There are some, and I put those in my book. I have a whole chapter kind of dedicated about the importance of listening as a key attribute of ministering to everybody. Uh, but I, I just think it's a, it's a really key thing. In fact, I even in my mind and I'm not perfect on this space, Richie, because right now I'm obviously doing all the talking. <laughs> but, you know, before Home Teaching got renamed a few years ago, I actually renamed that program in my mind to Home Listening. I figured I would do more to help people if I just came and listened to them. And when they opened up, I didn't turn the conversation to me. If they opened up about a difficult job situation or medical situation, I didn't pivot then to use that as a chance to talk about me and my difficult medical situation or my work, I tried to develop the discipline to keep it locked on them. And I found the more I listened, the more I had spiritual promptings how best to help somebody. If I just pivoted to giving the lesson or inviting someone to, as a YSA bishop to read or pray, I finally, I often missed the chance to really let the spirit work on me. Um, when I was a YSA bishop, it sometimes took multiple interviews. I would write down impressions on my notepad. I have a notepad right here. But often it would take a few visits with some of the YSAs to fully understand the totality of their situation and for them to feel safe opening up about what was really going on in their life. And that took a lot of follow-up questions. And then once I kind of understood the road they were on, that's when I'd circle back to some of those impressions I got, Richie. And that's sometimes when a priesthood blessing would be the best because I, I just felt more spiritual impressions and more 
um, understanding of the full situation. But that takes a lot of discipline that I'm still working is to just listen and ask follow-up questions. And even if they start talking about a difficult church situation or a hurt, you know, there's a lot of pain people have sometimes even from um, an institutional side of our church, we have difficult leadership experiences at times or difficult membership experiences. And I found listening to those and validating that those were real and sort of sit with them in their pain was help them just to move on versus dismissing it or, or having them prove how painful the situation is. So that's just some thoughts for you, Richie. Well, I'm going to push back a little bit on some of the things. Um, I've sent oh, us. We like that about you. <laughs> I've sent us on a fool's errand where I've said, hey, let's talk about this huge uh, principle of listening, and we're going to do it all in 15 to 20 minutes. So I'll interject and say that your book is great, that people should pick it up and, and really be able to hone in more of what we're talking about. So we're not going to get out all the principles. But there's a couple things that I think stand in the way of us listening, listening really well, just as people. You're, I mean, you've kind of put it in, in some re- constraints of like as your time in leadership and that kind of stuff. Right. But just as people, we don't listen to each other. Just as people, we don't listen to God or to the Holy Ghost very often. So this idea of listening is huge, and we we do it terribly. Now, that being said, there are some things that I think are, are hindrances to us really being good listeners. One, I don't know that we always give the other person, whether that be God, the Holy Ghost, or the other individual that we're talking to in a ministering situation or otherwise, that we give them our full attention, Right. Because the phone notification goes off, because we've got to get the kid to this, we've got to, you know, this other thing to really just be present and in the moment with the person is, I think, a big struggle. So I would be curious, I know you have a notepad, so I'm going to ask you to how we can be present in the moment, and if you'll write that down, because I want you to talk about that. The second thing is... You know, sometimes we hear things from the people that we're listening, right? We, we, we want to be better, and we hear someone say something uh, about, you know, our family member, and we want to defend them. Or they say something about the church, and we feel like we need to step in and say, no, 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 you don't get it. The church isn't saying that. We need to defend that. Or even in our situation where we, you know, commune with God, there's oftentimes where we go, oh, no, 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 but wait, I need to let you know this, and we just don't really take the time to listen. So how do we, how have you, what can we learn from the book about listening that will help us to counter some of those very natural roadblocks to listening? Um, I love everything you said, and I agree with everything you said. I sometimes have two different environments I'm listening. One is where there's lots of input, and I've got kids, and I've got a family situation, and it's very, and it's hard sometimes to be present in every conversation. Plus, I'm receiving inbound messages on my phone. So I hear you on that. And it takes, sometimes I have to recognize someone's opening up with something more than just a casual sort of issue, like the weather's going to be cloudy tomorrow. And I'm hearing something that's important. And I have to sort of hear, be in a situation where then I can say to, especially a child, let's talk about that. I need to spend time with you later. I can't right now. And I find I'm not very good in those situations where it's kind of chaotic communication to have meaningful conversations. I have to kind of set, like we're doing here, this is a structured sort of interaction that's helpful. Mm-hmm. A bishop's interviews like that, a parent visit at lunch or in any sort of, it doesn't need to be real formal, but just where you're totally present, your phone's away and you're not, you know, and I'm sort of opening my heart to somebody and they get a message on their phone and open their phone up. That's just crushing, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, because here you, so you have to 
sort of develop the skills to say, I'm going to be present to somebody. And even if I'm used to looking at my phone or responding to a text, I just don't do that. So I think listening is something within all of us, Richie. I think some people say, well, I can't learn people's names. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people say, I'm just not a good listener. I don't think that's true. I think you can develop the skills to be a bit good listener. It just takes effort. I, I want to read you the only poem I ever wrote, Richie, is about listening. It's on page 208 of the book. And it's, it's just, uh, if, it's, if it's okay, I'll read it. I've never read it out loud. Listen, listen deeply, listen to understand, listen without judging, listen without reacting, listen and bring hope and relief, listen to hold their pain and sorrow. Listen to learn the roots of their suffering. Listen and take notes of impressions. Listen and ask follow-up questions. Listen and become a true friend. Listen and don't turn it to you. Listen to what is unsaid. Listen and keep listening. Listen without agenda. Listen and validate. Listen. So just a poem I wrote. But instructive. Uh, almost like a, a guideline, a, a handbook as far as, as how we can be better listeners and what the importance of it is. Let me ask you this. If I came to you and I said, hey, Richard, I really need to talk to you, or just because of how you and I are, I start opening up to you, you're in the middle of chaos. Do you suppose that it is appropriate to be like, Richie, I want you to know that I really want to have this conversation, and right now is not the time that I'm able to do it, but I would love to have this conversation with you. Can we talk at, at two o'clock this afternoon? Will that be a time that would work? And do you feel like that in those really chaotic situations, that's a, a, a great way that we can make space for those conversations? I love what you just said. And I think it's okay just to communicate up front that you're not in a situation where you can fully listen to somebody. And I think people can handle that mm-hmm. versus just sort of trying to do the best you can and kind of kicking the can down the road. I think those moments sometimes are unfulfilling and people then may not open to us again. So I love what you suggest. And I do that with the inbound social media I get that people just want to talk, especially about LGBTQ. And I just schedule time on my calendar and kind of know ahead of time, this is going to be a time where I've got to be fully present because someone's going to open up about probably complicated stuff. That's why I manage it. And I probably could do that in my own home <laughs> with my own kids in a better way. So let me ask you this then. As you, as you mentioned, so many of your opinions that you had had uh, around LGBT and the church, you were formed by those who were heterosexual, right? Who had not had any of that experience. So then you made the conscious choice, um, whether because of your, your position in the church or just because you wanted to grow and to learn, to say, I want to start listening to these people. In those first times where people are opening up to you, I have to imagine there were things that people were saying that you felt like you had to either defend who you were or defend who the church was, or they just ran counter to maybe how you felt within that moment. How did you push through that and just allow yourself the opportunity to listen to that person? What a great question, Richie. Yeah, so as I sat, as I decided to I decided that my hard drive about LGBTQ feelings had been programmed to use a computer term by straight people. So I just wiped my hard drive clean. And God said, go talk to LGBTQ people. You'll see them the way I see them and go talk to their parents. They get it. They've been walking with their kids. And as I started then to reach out to people and I knew they were LGBTQ and going to lunch and dinner, 
I heard really painful things, experiences they had had in the church that were very painful. And I learned it took wasn't like day one, but I learned that I can do two things at the same time. I can sit with people in their pain and validate their pain and support and sustain the church that I believe in. I didn't have to choose between the two, and I didn't have to turn the conversation to how much I support the church. I just kept that in the back of my mind and say, I can sit with them in their pain and validate. And I don't, and I recognize that if I don't validate their pain, I'm just adding to their trauma. And if they have to prove their pain to me, and if, if I have to say, well, someone really didn't mean that, or you're overthinking that, or you shouldn't feel that way, that just adds to their pain and trauma and locks them down from opening up to me. So it's a great question you asked. And I just had to develop the discipline to just, I rarely turn the conversation and try to defend the source of the pain. I just honor the pain. And I think that's what our Savior do, Richie. I think he, I think he did that in the New Testament. He just sit with people in their pain and he didn't need to sort of dismiss it. So then lastly, along, along that with the uh, principle of listening, as you sort of queued up at the very beginning, you mentioned occurrences where listening allowed you to know what to do to be able to help. So let's, let's open up and unlock that principle of listening within this context. If I understand the question, is just the more I listen, the more I was able to help somebody. Is that yeah, right, yeah, Richie? Yeah, because so often we go, you know, we go into a conversation and we've already decided the, the solution. You know, we know what they need to do. We know that they need to read their scriptures more. They need to pray. Have you been to the temple, right? And those are in the religious confines, but just within, you know, our interactions with other people. I, I don't feel like we go into a conversation where we're trying to be there for another person, where we don't already have some sort of preconceived notion about what the conversation is going to be like, about what the other person needs to do, about what the issue is, etc. So as we, as you mentioned, you know, being open to listening to the promptings from the Holy Ghost as to what you should say, as to whether it's a blessing or that they, they, they come back, like how, how have you been able to listen to the Spirit and to God as far as that goes, and then maybe even share an experience where you were inclined to say or do one thing, but listening drew, drove you a different way. Let's talk about pornography okay. um, we, um, as an example. So when I was first called as a YSA bishop, that's what we talked about in those first interviews. And when I was released, uh, that's what we talked about. And, if, and at first, I just, when the YSAs had opened about pornography, I just talk about the importance of stopping, obviously, reading their scriptures, going to church, and putting it behind them. But over time, I recognize that pornography is often like an iceberg. It's what we're, we see at the top of the iceberg. Mm -hmm. But what's really going on with pornography is what's at the bottom of the iceberg. And I learned to say, let's, okay, you're working to, you're working to end pornography use. Let's put that on the shelf. Let's try to figure out what's really going on here. Because most YSAs didn't say, okay, how can I turn against God? and be a bad person. I think I'll look at porn today. Mm -hmm. um, the YSAs that were looking at porn are incredible human beings trying to do the best they can. And the longer I worked with them, the more we could kind of get at the bottom of the iceberg and realize this is a coping mechanism most of the time to deal with stress, anxiety, loneliness. And it's just another coping mechanism like eating or running or things we do to sort of deal with challenges that come into our life. And it can be, it's a sin and it can become addicting. Um, but if you kind of understand what's really going on there, it can help the YSAs kind of understand the bottom of the iceberg. And then they may need a therapist to get there. Mm -hmm. Then you can really help them. 
And so that takes, that takes listening to really, if you just give this set pat solution to every YSA that opens up about porn. Now, sexual sin became the same way. Some YSAs were sexually active and uh, that's a sin, that's a serious sin. But for some of the women in particular, it really wasn't about sex. It was the only, and I get, I cry every time I talk about this, Richie. It was the only way they knew how to feel loved, given the, what was going on in their, in their totality of their situation. Yeah, it's a sin. They recognize it's a sin. But if I just treated it the same way as another person who really wanted to break that law of chastity and did it for different reasons. So listening allowed me to understand the difference. Even though the top of the iceberg was the same, it was listening and then being open to the spirit about what was really going on here and the intent and really the heart here and what was going on. And I recognized I could significantly add to somebody's burden if I didn't really listen and be sensitive to the spirit. Such a valuable principle. It's the reason I think that it's first in the listen, learn, love, uh, which is the name of the book written by Richard Osler. It's also the name of the podcast that he does. If people haven't ever listened to Listen, Learn, Love, tell people what they can expect from that. Well, we're trying, like you are, just to talk in a faithful way about all the complicated topics in the church. Um, it started as LGBTQ, but it's a lot broader than that. Um, suicide, emotional illness, pornography. We've done a bunch of episodes with people working to solve porn. So it's all these subjects that members of the church want to talk about. We, it's hard to talk about sometimes in the walls of our church. So that's why, you know, your guests are, you're doing a great, a great job, Richie, and we're trying to do the same thing. It's called Listen, Learn, and Love. You can pick up that book. I'll leave a link in the show notes with this episode uh, so that you can just click on that and purchase the book and also a link to the podcast. Uh, it's Papa Osler. That's what I like to think of you as. I had a papa. He's since passed, but he was someone that I could sit down and talk to just about anything. And I knew at the end of that conversation that I, he would still love me just as much as he did at the beginning of that conversation. We hope that this episode has nourished and strengthened your body, that if you're not healthy enough to listen this week, that you'll be healthy enough to listen next week, and that when the time comes, you'll be able to travel home in safety. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for you on the back row of the Cultural Hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. On the back row, we really gotta go on the Cultural Hall show.